Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode, and leave us a five-star review so listeners like you can find us. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. When you think of Judy Garland, there's only one thing that comes to mind. It's Gloria Swansong. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Don't let Lorna Luft hear you say that. Is she? I don't know her. <laughs> Wait, that's Vanna Do, right? No one knows. Oh, oh. you may. Have, you know, Gilda has a story about getting... Gilda got in an elevator with Lorna Luft and was like, Hi, how are you? What's your name? <gasps> oh, no. And then she said, Lorna. And Gilda goes, Oh, it's nice to meet you, Lorna. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and that's really shady and sad oh, and amazing. But so yeah, funny. Lorna Luft is like probably most known for Grease too, right? Oh, yeah, and doing girl. her mother's songs. Poor yes. girl, poor girl. But we're going to talk about Judy Garland mm. a little later. Sounds but good. first, we're going to talk about Gloria Swansong. Okay, yeah. So where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Fabulous. Music yeah. City. Yes, Music City, USA. Did yep. you grow up with country music? Uh, absolutely. It's unavoidable. Carrie Underwood went to my rival high school. She was in the rival choir from me. Ooh, yeah, fun. We, we definitely sang in like... Did you have a riff off? Uh, <laughs> she didn't really riff. The, you know, what was funny was when we were in choir in high school, everyone was like, uh, you know, because choir kids are like, uh, she has a soloist voice. She doesn't blend well. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. So funny. And look what happened to her now. Yeah. Good thing she didn't blend well, you know? <laughs> yeah. So what was your childhood like? Um, it was, I, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, like, their really troubled queer youth. And I definitely have that for myself. But, like, my parents are just really amazing people. Um, they're both recovering alcoholics. Um, they have been my entire life. And they both, uh, because of that, they understand what it's like to be an outsider. Because in the South particularly in a lot of, like, religious circles or families, alcoholism is not a thing that exists. You know what I mean? And it's not a thing we talk about. And so when my parents both were going through recovery, um, they they had their own ways that they were ousted from their families. So when, you know, whenever I quote-unquote came out, my parents were, like, really great about it because they... They didn't want me to feel like I was an outsider because they understood that. It's amazing. It is really amazing, yeah. And I grew up with... You know, the AA family that they created through... Because they go to, like, three meetings a week for, you know... They've been going for, like, 30-something years to AA. Um, And the family that they created was so strong that really it felt like I grew up with, like, five moms. It's awesome. Yeah, it was really amazing. It was a really amazing way to grow up. But it was also hard because it is still the South. There still is a church every five blocks or whatever. And we... um, my mom tried to take us to church as kids, but we would get kicked out of every church because they would find out my parents were al- recovering alcoholics or something, and we'd have to move on to the next church or something. So you talked about choir a little bit. Mm-hmm. When did theater enter your, enter your life? Theater entered my life in seventh grade when I was... I, I, I'm very good at math and science, and I'm very good at memorizing things. Mm-hmm. 
And I was in some English class and I memorized the entire Raven and like recited it, you know, the Edgar Allan Poe Of course you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, I was like passionate about that. I should turn that into a drag number. Yes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Right? Edgar Allan Poe. And uh, I just remember my English teacher being like, you should be in drama club because you can memorize shit. <laughs> That's, how That's how it is in middle school, right? And I didn't know about Broadway until I was 17. I'd never, I'd never heard of Broadway. I'd never, I thought musicals were just movies. Yeah. Which is crazy. Because my, my school, the schools in our area didn't do musicals. They just did straight oh, interesting. Play. Isn't that weird? It's we, not weird, but it's interesting. It's fascinating. Well, I think it's because normally you think like high school default is musical. Of but course. our high school default was murder mystery and things like Jane Eyre. Oh, God. Like, something that was a book that people read in class. Sure. Kind of thing. Interesting. Weird. So, where did you go for college? Uh, I did my undergraduate, my BFA, at the University of Memphis, um, which is sort of a small BFA program, um, which was great because technically it was in costume design, but, mm-hmm. like, they let me do whatever the hell I wanted to. So, I took a lot of acting classes. I took a lot of stage combat. I took a lot of... Um, I took classical voice for four years um just oil painting so i gotta do my own thing and then when i graduated i was like well i really need to like hone this costume design skill so i went to carnegie mellon for well that little school that little school i went to carnegie mellon for my mfa in costume design was that your first time coming up north um it was my first time living up north i'd never really experienced a winter before Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is cold and windy. Pitts- Pittsburgh is cold and in a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. People don't think of Pittsburgh as really snowy, but oh yeah, it's further north than Chicago. And it's very... Yeah, I just remember walking to school, like, snow up to your knees for months. And it would snow in April. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you leave Carnegie Mellon with an MFA, mm-hmm. and you come to New York. Yes. What was that journey like? Um, you know, it's funny because I had big dreams of going to Europe after graduation. I was like, I'm going to go to Berlin and live in Berlin and make it work. And that sort of fell through. And so New York was actually like my backup plan. Oh, fine. Which no one ever says. No. But, or admits. Or admits. But by that time, by the time that I'd gotten to the end of Carnegie Mellon, I mean, I had been cut for fabric shopping or some work or whatever. I'd been coming to New York like four times a year. Yeah. And all of my friends were here. Like all the people from undergrad and grad school were here. So moving here was like, well, all my friends are there and all my work is there. So why not? So it was really easy. And when did drag come into your life? Um, I started doing drag about seven years ago. I was working at the Utah Shakespeare Festival and um, a couple old queen actors were like, we should have a drag party. And it was on like some actor housing front porch. We had a... We put together like a little drag show and that's how Gloria Swanson was born. I was literally doing laundry, watching Gloria Swanson interviews and then a Barbra Streisand song came on and I was like, I love a good swan song. Oh, That's amazing. That's how Gloria Swanson are, was born. Are there pictures from this first time? There are. Do we have to like dig deep to find it? Um, yes. <laughs> and Someone go find them. Yes. It's my hair. It, yeah. It's very. It's different. It's Yes. The garage doors. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I shadow all the way to the brow line. <laughs> so describe Gloria in three words. Um, Gloria is... Um, Gloria is... Uh, earnest. Um, emotion. And I think elegant. I love it. I yeah. love it. 
The ease. The ease. <laughs> and it's easy for you. <laughs> there you go. Who are some of your inspirations as a performer? <sighs> well, I'm sure we can Oh my gosh, get them. out the pencils. I mean, so many. Actually, you know, I think many people can guess like all the old Hollywood, right? Yeah. But actually, some of my biggest inspirations are people like Lucille Ball. Of course. Who is a woman who... If you don't know much about her, like, she really had to make it work. Like, she really went to Hollywood, and she was considered the most beautiful wo- young woman in Hollywood when mm-hmm. she went to Hollywood. And she got blacklisted, basically, because Bay Davis and Joan Crawford, they took one look at her, and they were like, she cannot be on the same screen as me, because she's too beautiful. So the only way that she could get into a picture was by being funny. And so I really admire, like, people like Lucille Ball, who... Who found their way? You know what I mean. Of course. And she could do drama. She could do high comedy. She could do. She could do glamour. She could. She wasn't. You know that's what I love about Judy Garland. Like Judy mm-hmm. Garland's not afraid to like. You know, put a beard on her face and do a number. You know. So she's like the original milk. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> oh, oh. oh boy! I just struck a nerve. I know. Oh my Atlanta. How long does it take to transform into Gloria? Um, I, you know, I don't usually spend longer than an hour. Okay. I get dressed really fast and my makeup is now down to like 35, 45 Amazing. minutes. Once you, it's like, I, it's like once you do it fast, then it's hard to not do it fast. True. You know what I mean? So when you came to New York, how much drag were you actually able to do? When I first came to New York, I... I started doing television and film and you know, TV and film is like 65 to 80 hours a week. I had no life outside of, you know, fucking Jennifer Lopez on shades of blue. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, or Christine Bransky on the good wife. But I, I kind of, I quit TV and film and then, um, I hadn't really done drag for like a year and a half. And I'd been doing Reddit lip sync for your life, which, you know, I was a season three winner and then I hosted season four and someone, it was Keith, uh, what's Keith's last name? Anyway, Keith. He was like, you, he was our subletter, and he was like, you should be doing So You Can Drag. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Let's talk about it. And then he was like, do you know who Alexis Michelle is? And I'm like, Alexis who? And, and I went and I met Alexis Michelle, and Alexis Michelle's like, you should audition for So You Can Drag. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. I have, who's this page turner? I don't know. Who, what. And it's funny because, you know, Gilda tells a story that, like, they all thought that I was a red herring. They all thought on the paperwork that I was a fake person. <laughs> so we showed it to the photo shoot. They were like, oh, my God, you're a real person. I, so my joke for, like, my first year of doing drag in New York is that I'm the Emily Dickinson of New York drag. Amazing. Because I was just doing drag up in my little tower, like, writing my poems and throwing them in a trunk. And I would die and nobody would ever know. Fabulous. So let's talk about your Fabulous. first um, soiree into So You Think You Can Drag. Uh-huh. Season seven. Season seven, yeah. What do you want to know? What was the experience like? It was really amazing. I went into it, um, my family was like, my family life situation was in a real horrible, horrible way. Really horrible. And um, the first week something happened with a family member that was just horrible and I was supposed to do Don't Rain on My Parade. And I get there, and then Paige is like, oh, you're first. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm doing a swan song first. Like, Don't Rain on My Parade is like an 11 o'clock number. Absolutely. So to do it at 1 o'clock is like, okay, like, let's do this, you know. And 
um, I was so, you could watch the video and like, I'm shaking. I'm so, it's just so emotion filled and nervous about my emotion. And, um, you know, Sutton was there that night and Sutton came up to me and she was like, you should, she's like that emotion you have, you need to channel it into the performance and use it. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And so it just became like nine or 10 weeks of like me doing things I had always wanted to do in drag. And I didn't have, I didn't have a bunch of people coming to see me, but I was in the top two, five times, you know? And so that really taught me like, yeah, like you can win over people in the audience with your performance. Like you don't have to do what I mean. Of course. And you made a nice sisterhood out of this competition. Our season, I'm really proud of our season because our season stuck sticks together. Yeah. We all are still sisters. We all book each other. That's amazing. You know, it is amazing. And But that's how it should work. You know, like, drag should be a community. Absolutely. It has I mean, to be. It has to be because who else is going to fucking book us but ourselves? You know what I mean? So you have an incredible experience with So You Can Think You Can Drag. Yeah. And a year goes by and Paige like, do all stars. What was that for you? What was it like getting the phone call? I felt like been to the crim because I was like, I really don't know if I want to <laughs> do this. I had just done it. And it's really like, I'm sad it doesn't exist anymore because it really is a marathon that is unlike anything else. I think anywhere for a drag competition. Maybe someday I'll come back. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was exhausted. But then Paige told me it was only going to be four weeks. And I was like, okay, thank God. Maybe I'll do four weeks, but um, it was nerve wracking because you know it's that that season is like established ladies yeah. who've done shows everywhere and you know been around and some a lot of them were judges in my season, you know. So it was weird to be like performing alongside and being considered alongside people who I had looked up to for so long. Did you have a favorite number from All Stars? You know that I did, or mm-hmm. someone else so that did. You did. Um, my favorite number, what my I'm gonna say two. My favorite numbers were my first one that I did, the creep number, mm-hmm. and the burlesque number, and the last one, which was the rainbow number. Rainbow was incredible. It was, it was a grand moment. Yeah, and you know they're my favorite because there are two things I had always wanted to do in drag but had never done. Yeah, and so. You know, I, I'm over analytical. The error I felt like I made in that competition was that I didn't follow that instinct. That's always my instinct is do something I've never done before. Yeah. And, and it's I, easy to say that you're a vintage queen mm-hmm. because people call you that all the time. But when you pulled out Rainbow, which is had maybe been on the radio for like, what, three, four weeks at this point, mm-hmm. it was relevant, but you put your spin on it. It was stunning. It was gorgeous. Yeah, the Harvey Milk and the... yeah. yeah. And then all my sisters. Yeah, yeah, all your sisters who may, some of them may come up in tea time when we play in a little bit. No, it was so exciting. So get, get those stories ready. Oh. So you are an insanely talented costume designer oh, and seamstress. Who and what are some of your inspirations as a designer? Oh, there are so many. Um, obviously, like, maybe not obviously, like Christian Dior, Charles mm-hmm. James, Cristobal Balenciaga, Yves Saint Laurent. Like, if you don't, if you're listening and you don't know any of these people, hello, you need to do your research. Also, if you're a drag queen and you don't know who Il Dalvina is, which most people don't, 
Today, Golden and I had a moment about that. I was like, do you know who Dovina is? Like, you need to Google this shit now. Um, she just played the dumb blonde. I was like, who? Who? Yeah. If you've ever seen that photo of a model from the 50s posing with two African elephants, that's Dovina. And she is like, ugh. Just like elegance and grace and fashion. Um, I'm also really inspired by... Um, I'm really inspired by... Uh, like queer fashion movements and how queer people, a lot of like major fashion trends um, have a foot somewhere in the queer world. And there are queer people who are like fucking around with fashion and creating new things. And then it gets uptaken by somebody and it ends up in, you know, Gareth Pugh's collection or it ends up in, um, you know, or even like you go back to the, like the 18th century, like the, the, it get, it, they start putting it on women and it ends up being, you know, so it's, one of my passions is like going through um, costume history and doing research about like the queer people and awesome. how how queer fashion affected like the whole seventies like you know ACDC Leonard like Leonard Skin that has totally got its foot in like queer punk drag in the seventies you know so it's funny to see like the Confederate flag waving Leonard Skinner and like well your leather jacket and your long hair and your <laughs> you know your like punk attitude is. Totally a drag queen thing. If you could design a garment for anyone, who would it be? Like a drag queen or the world? Both. Oh, man. Oh, that's a hard... If I could design anything for anyone in the world, I would die to design a gown or a pantsuit for Hillary Clinton. Yes. I would die because she needs it. Even the good ones, I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, so bad. Um, even the good ones. Um, but a drag queen, I, like, this may be really obvious, I would fall over dead if I could make something for Sasha Valore. Yeah. I would fall over dead. People tweet it. Tweet I actually it. have, I have, maybe people on this, I have, I'm on Pinterest, and I have Pinterest boards for a lot of drag queens who I love mm-hmm. and who I know, and they don't know I have Pinterest boards for them. But I have one for Sasha, and it's like, because I start doing research, and I'll see something, I'm like, oh my God, Sasha needs this, and I just save it, and I hoard all the images. And Well, you know what? The tweet movement works with Sasha Valor, so let's it's get it true. out there. Let's do it. It's true. It's true. What New York City drag queen that you've yet to work with is on your dream list? Besides Sasha Valor, of course. Besides Sasha Valor. Um, you know... I've well, this maybe is a cop out. I I really more than Sasha. I really want to work with uh, um, uh, Olive de Nightlife. Yes. Yes. Oh my! I mean, I love Sasha, but Olive de Nightlife is like, why is the world sleeping on Olive de Nightlife? Like she is, she needs her own like fucking Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. Like I just want to see her host everything and sing songs and the crooks of pianos. Well, and... I think she also needs a sister named Olive to Boogie. <laughs> that's great that's great if you don't know the song daughter. reference then go away a little daughter yeah i mean yeah there's so many new york queens because yeah, i i went They're to amazing. nightgowns april of last year so before sasha won and it was mm. my first time ever seeing sasha live at uh bizarre um, no this was this was at uh sawdust the first one there oh the very yeah. first one so oh, she, before she had won but she had been on and correct. come back gotcha yeah. Um, and I had gotten there a little early, and Olive is doing her um, little thing, singing at a piano to um, 
Sunset Boulevard. I was like, who yeah. is she? I, I love this. And she's so statuesque. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you're a real woman. I love it. And Southern and mm-hmm. just ugh, but tall yeah, glass Night of Gowns water. was something, something special. Because like, bef- watching Drag Race, I was like, oh, Sasha Valora, she's fine. I don't care. Then seeing the show, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm on board. Right. Let's, let's do it. Exactly. Actually, can I can I rewind for a second? Yeah. Someone I would die to work with and that I would die to make an outfit for that I would actually like I would take a bullet for is Lip Synca. That cuz she is like You she, can't I mean, see me making a jumping up yeah. and down thing, but that's what I'm I doing. I mean, and she's making a rare appearance soon. I know. I know and I'm 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 going, so I'm excited. I don't think I can get a ticket. I'm really excited. Cuz she's a major I saw uh, John do a cabaret at um, uh, Joe's Pub, and I was like, you're an incredible human. Like, just the stories you can tell. Yeah, because it was just him and a piano. And, of course, he's like, okay, fine. I'm not in drag, but I'm still going to give you a lip sync. And he did a number, and it was brilliant. He still got it. And you know he was the... um, He was the... uh, He was the the pianist at American Ballet Theater for years. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You're known for your Judy, and yet the bar scene begs for top 40. How do you balance <laughs> your aesthetic in the pop world? Oh, um, I try to find... Because for me, it's all about acting. It's all about, like, I need a character, I need a storyline, I need... So um, the way that I have found my way into pop, into top 40 is creating acting scenarios in the song and creating something that I can play, like an acting thing that I can play, and just making the people in the audience, like, my scene partner... Which sometimes makes them very uncomfortable. <laughs> in the top 40 world, are there lip sync songs or uh, artists that you go to? Um, you know, what's surprising is people always think that I would go to Lady Gaga. But Lady Gaga is really hard to play. Mm-hmm. And she's hard. To, it's hard. to. It's like I don't. I steer away from people who are too dancey. I don't dance very well. Um, as we have all seen. Uh, so, like, I, I love Kesha. Um Gosh, what a... And, I, you know, when you say top 40, like, do you consider Madonna top 40? She was once. She was time. once, like, you know, so I don't know what... It's like a, you know... I don't know. You know, the, the gay gospel singers. Yeah, I do a lot of that. I do a lot of, like, like old school gay songs yeah. that people love to see. But I really don't do a whole lot of truly top 40. Though I do love me some postmodern jukebox, like... Yeah. Rejuvenation of they're amazing. They are actually. I'm really getting into J- Jennifer Lopez too. Oh, interesting. Because a lot of her songs are very narrative, and there's a really playable thing there. Oh, I want to see this. I hope I get to see that. Yeah, show. well, this Fresco's Cantina brunch is also like why I'm doing J Lo all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've waited for Godot, we've waited for Guffman, and now we're <laughs> waiting for Garland. Let's let's hear about your new show. Right. So, um. You know, I've been doing Judy for a while, but I've never done sort of an exploration of why why Judy and why Gloria. Like, what's the relation? So this show explores, like, their backstory together. Judy and Gloria's backstory. And the famous duo Lost to the Sands of Time. And so it's basically, you know, Gloria's waiting for Judy to show up. Um, oh my god, are we getting a hologram? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Oh my god! Could you but there imagine? is there is some stage magic. Oh, amazing! That happens. Well, without giving us any spoilers, what can we expect to see in the show? Um, you you will see Judy, and you will see a lot of Gloria, 
and I've collaborated with my um, my very close drag sister Joan Waters, who's a Chicago drag queen. Like she helped establish Fabitat, which is like this big thing Lucy Stuhl does now. And she, uh, yeah, she uh, she wrote she like wrote it for me. We worked together on scenarios, and then she actually like wrote it, wrote it because she's a playwright. Um, so it's like an actual like show show. So it's got like. It's really funny. It's really fun. I will... I, my favorite part of it is there's this backstory of, like... Um, you know, there's the Gum Sisters. So if you don't know Judy Garland's real name is Frances Gum. And they started... She started her performance, performing life as the youngest of a trio of sisters on the vaudeville circuit. And so jo- Joan wrote this whole backstory about... Um, how me and Gina and Gilda are the rivals to the Gum Sisters. Amazing, that's funny. It's really cute. What do you hope to get out of this Judy show? And what do you hope to do beyond this Judy <clears throat> show? Um, I hope, I hope that people come to this show and really get more of a sense of Gloria Swan song, because the cabarets that I've done have really been all about Judy, and I hope they get an idea of like where where Judy comes from inside of me and that my Judy is not Judy Garland. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's some things that I do as a lip sync illusion where I do think it's like an illusion, but when I act her, it's really like Judy through Gloria. So. Fabulous. So I hope people get a sense of like the, the mind meld between those two characters. Amazing. So you obviously know a lot about Judy. Yeah. And I want to prepare our audience before they see you in your show. So we're going to do a little Judy Garland trivia. Oh, God. I pulled some questions from a website, so I hope the answers are facts. Um, <laughs> so let's see how much you really know about the original icon. Oh, my gosh. Whoa, slay. All right. this for me. What was Judy Garland's original name? Francis Gum. Great. When was Judy Garland born? Well, she's born on June 10th, yep. or June 11th, June 10th. Mm, now I'm trying to remember the year. Is it 19... Don't... Hold on. 1920... It's either 23 or 22. It's 22. 22, yeah. Where was Judy Garland born? Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Fabulous. Okay, this one's really hard. What was Judy Garland's role in The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> really? It's one of the questions. Dorothy Gale, Dorothy Gale. When was Judy Garland married to Vincente Minnelli? Uh, is that 1947? 45 48? through 51. 51, yeah. When they were making Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah. To whom was Judy Garland married in 1952 to 1965? Oh, uh, Sid Loft. Yep, yep. Yeah. In which film oh. did Judy Garland sing You Made Me Love You? Um, well, there's two. There's the one of them is one of the Andy Hardy movies that like Andy Hardy meets a debutante or some bullshit like that. It's not on here, but okay. I can't remember the second one. What's the second one? The answer was Broadway Melody of 1938. Oh, sure. Again, I don't know how fact these are. Yeah. How many Grammy Awards did did Judy at Carnegie Hall win? It was up for more than one. Apparently. You, an album can win more than one Grammy of Award? Of course. There's multiple categories. Oh, I don't know. Three? Five. Five? Five. I know, right? Wow. Yeah. Fuck. 
Good for her. Good for her. Judy, Judy, Judy. Listen, we talk about we talk about oh Beyonce is, but who do you know who wins five Grammys for one album? People that was a live that. album. Yeah. Do people still do that? I don't think so. Not really. No, not really. I mean, Rufus, Rufus, Rufus did. Oh, shut up! Don't even. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I love my Rufus. Okay, when did Judy Garland die? Uh, uh, June. Well, uh, June twenty first, nineteen sixty nine. Well, this said twenty second, but okay. Sure. Maybe they're wrong. I don't know. Whatever. Where did Judy Garland die? I think they found her dead on June 22nd. Maybe. But, uh, Where did she die? Uh, London. Perfect. You, you, you know your Judy. Yeah. Do you know what she died of? I don't. What did she die of? Um, she had been taking a heart medication that, um, that was prescribed to her at too high of a dosage. Oh, and the boy. particular heart medication that she was taking, like, it can build up in your system. And so it built up in her system after, over, like, at the six-month period and... Um, caused her to go into cardiac rest in her sleep. Poor girl. Yeah. What are some of your drag dreams? Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Um, a big drag dream of mine is to do a queer variety, a queer month, seasonal, so four times a year, variety show. That's like a swan song follies. That's a huge dream of mine. Do you have like a dream venue in mind? Um, it would be a theater, like a proper theater with a, a red grand drape. So it'd be like a very old style, like vaudeville variety show. And with like all kinds of queer and non-queer artists. I dig it. it. Yeah. How do you stay focused and committed to the art? Um, I write a lot of things down and I draw a lot because I learned early on, like if you have a really good idea, save it. And um, something actually Joan Waters taught me was about writing. I don't write really, but that she learns about writing is that if you have a really good idea, write it down, cultivate it. Don't tell anyone. It's true. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone your good ideas until you're ready to tell somebody. Because the thing is, if you have here's the two things are if you have a really good idea and I tell you about it and it's too early in the idea, then I don't have a reason to keep exploring that idea because I already shared it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if, you know, like, I just shared this idea for this Follies thing, but I've been, that's been in my head for, like, five years. So I've been cultivating it. And so my, that's my biggest advice about that is, like, have a great idea, write it down, draw it, save it, sit on it. And if you tell someone, make sure they know it's your idea, not theirs. Exactly. And go back and, like, the great thing about that is you can go back and like, you're like, oh, these four ideas go really well together and they're five years apart and you know what I mean? That's really Absolutely. great. Absolutely. So, RuPaul recently found himself in some boiling hot water oh, within God. the community oh, after an interview revealed his opinions on trans performers competing on Drag Race. It's true. What was your reaction to the article? Are there rules when it comes mm-hmm. to drag? What was my reaction to the article or what was my reaction to... To the article and to his response. To the, to the, to the whole, to to the whole, whole situation. My reaction to the article when I first read it was, well, that's unfortunate. Oh, well. This is a bad interview. Other parts of that are good, but that part of it is just really, really, I'm going to say it, unfortunately worded. Yes. And um, I did not think it would explode the way it exploded. And when I, I think we are in a culture now where people lose sight of context and people lose sight of the whole picture 
and we're in a like trigger happy offended culture Mm -hmm. and often and we need to be careful about it because often the things that we get offended about especially the liberal side are things that are planted for us to get offended about to seem crazy so people want us to tear down rupaul people want that to happen when i read that interview i was offended by what the man was saying to rupaul yeah the shit that 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 interviewer said i was like why are we roasting rupaul we should roast this fucking reporter who said this problematic shit and rupaul just like kind of reflected it back in a way you know what i mean because rupaul in that in anyway that's what i think i think rupaul is you know is a is a is a man of his time absolutely and i as a per as a trans non-binary person my parents are struggling with my pronouns and we've been working out for four years and people who are really close to me struggle with my pronouns and we've been working out for a long time and you can't just throw people out with the bathwater. people can change but we have to help them change and you have to believe in them and i firmly believe like rupaul's drag race will change and mm-hmm. it is changing you know the contestants changed the show absolutely i'm i'm sorry i don't watch rupaul's drag race for rupaul and rupaul no. knows that you watch it for the people on the show no i mean he wins for best host but the show wins for him producing it yeah and for the people who are on it making good tv and being talented yeah. and doing what they do and Sharing I, their stories. I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure he would love to not even be nominated for Best Host and let everyone else get the glory. I just don't know why we're not talking about all the people who are on RuPaul's Drag Race who don't identify as male or female. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many queens from RuPaul's Drag Race who, 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 fall, who fall in the spectrum between the two and are vocal about it. But for some reason, if we only want to talk about Oh, was there a trans woman with a boob job on RuPaul's Drag Race? Well, no, that hasn't happened yet. But to be honest, there aren't a lot of drag queens who are doing things like RuPaul's Drag Race who are interested in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, that seems kind of silly to me. How did drag and politics go together? Well, I mean, drag, I mean, you know, you hear Marty Gulcumming say it all the time, drag is political. And it is. Like, when you get into drag, it's a political statement. um, Because you're, you're saying something about gender norms. Right, no matter what you do, um, and I think it's in, it was interesting for RuPaul to say that he thought that takes something away from it because there's so much drag that doesn't involve a female illusion, really. It's like femininity not through a female illusion. So um, I think drag is inherently political because you're performing on a stage, just like acting is political. Yeah, you know, like any anything you're doing where you're putting yourself out there. And you're inviting people to criticize you, I think, is a political thing in a way. What is the most important advice or lesson you can give to someone who is early in their drag career? <clears throat> Don't try and do things that make other queens successful. I like that. Don't look at something else someone else is doing and be like, oh, I should try that. Absolutely not. It's not going to work for you. You have to look inside yourself and think, what the fuck do I want to do? Because ultimately, people are here in drag, and people are here to watch a drag queen live her fantasy, I think, and relish in the fantasy and um, and teach us about it. You know what I mean? And so if you're enjoying it and you're into it and it's heightened, that's already a step towards building an audience. Yeah. 
So, so we're going to play Tea Time. Oh, great. And you're going to spill some tea, share some stories about some of your sisters. Now, listen, a lot of people play this game and they don't actually spill any tea. No, they don't. So if you want to spill it, let's do it. I know. I love tea. So first one is Paige Turner. Paige Turner. Hmm. <laughs> what is their... I'm trying to think of something that's actually tea to spill, spill about Paige Turner. Um, I think what people, a lot of people don't realize about Paige is how incredibly prepared she is. So prepared. So overly prepared for mm-hmm. everything. Um, and really well rehearsed. I don't think people really realize that. And I think that that's, it's really admirable and um, it's very difficult. It's difficult to take all the time to. And what people also don't realize about Paige is that she's really one of the first New York queens to create a brand and sell the brand, mm-hmm. which is different than having a talent and you know growing because of your talent. Like that, and that's such a thing now that people throw around. And she's really like one of the first people to ever do that yeah, in absolutely. New York. She's she's one of a kind. Yeah. Absolutely. Next is Alexis Michelle. I, you know, on the show, I got really upset when she was on in the way people read her. Because Alexis is a, in my opinion, Alexis is a theater person. And I understand what kind of person she is because I'm in the theater. And there are people in the theater like Alexis Michelle who are, who are, um, who are going to tell you if the scene is bad. Who are, who are going to be your scene partner and be like, no, that was the line was wrong. You know, who are going to be brutally honest with you because that's what you have to be in theater. Yeah. But when she was on RuPaul's Drag Race, I think she was brutally honest with people in a way that was like, you did this and that wasn't nice. Or you did this and that really hurt my feelings. And people took that as aggressive. Mm-hmm. And when in reality, I think of it as like a courtesy. I think of it as like you're just trying to look out for everybody and make sure we all have each other's back. But it got spun in a way. And that made me really, it got me, that was my first time watching Drag Race and me knowing a person on it. Yeah. It really hurt a lot. Next is Laguna Blue. Ah, Laguna! Laguna, Laguna, ugh. Laguna Blue. I love Laguna Blue. She's a hot mess, though. Like, out of drag, it's like, how the hell do you look this flawless and this rehearsed and this... Because she is a tornado of, like, energy and mayhem sometimes. And it's amazing to me, like, the level of polish that she is, you know? Yeah. She's so polished. I really love Laguna. Next is Vanadu. Vanna, you know, I don't know that much about her really you know like i've worked with her a lot but you know i really wish the girl would not wear blonde no what color do you want to see her in i really want to see her as um in black hair all right vanna there's your challenge she's so pale yeah. black the black with really pale skin and like light eyes Gorgeous. Let's 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 Gorgeous. see what that would look like. I just think there's so many drag queens who are like, I only wear blonde. Pink is my color. I do pops. You know, it's like okay, great. Like Barbie's my inspiration. Are you reading Paige right now? I'm reading every drag queen who tells me <laughs> Barbie is her inspiration. That is such a pet peeve of mine. Barbie is a tertiary source, not a primary source. You can be yeah. inspired by 
Dior, but don't be inspired by this year's knockoff. Well, I know Van is very inspired by Miss Dolly Parton herself. Yeah, that makes sense. Who I've met and is a lovely, delightful person. Oh, you person. have? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Vanna she wants... has a costume shop in Nashville that me and my friends worked Amazing. at. Well, Vanna wants to school. take a little field trip to Dollywood, so that may happen this summer. <laughs> it's delightful. I love Dollywood. Next is Maxi Factor. Maxi. I, I mean, I keep saying this. I love Maxi Factor. She is possibly... The only other drag queen I've met who is nearly as OCD as I am about <laughs> details and things. And yeah. So what's the tea about Maxie? What is the tea about Maxie? Hmm. I think the tea about Maxie is she seems very, um, she, there, she, she, she really is the girl next door. Yeah. She really is. And Margaret on a swing because you say things to her and she looks at you and she'll be like, what? And you're like, <laughs> you are Anne Margaret on a swing. Yeah. So delicate. Like inside and out, like she's down, down to the clueless factor. <laughs> it's so great. Well, speaking of golden delicious. Oh, I, well, you know, I just brunch show with her. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot about gold. I'd never performed with her before this brunch show. And now it's like. I mean, we're campaigning for Best Duo 2018. <laughs> we're a good duo, I think, the two of us. I I love Golden. Um, I'm amazed at her ability to do the same numbers over and over and over. And they're so entertaining. I watch her do that damn blowjob number every week. <laughs> and it's so fucking good every week. Every week, I'm like, oh, she's going to do the blowjob number again. How many and, more times do you have to see it before you can do it? I Oh, well, we're talking about doing a brunch where we... Do each other's numbers. Oh, that would be fun. Or we swap numbers. Let me know. I'll be there. Yeah. I can't tell what any of the words are in that Golden's Golden Rules thing. <laughs> the funny thing is me guessing what the words are, because I can't tell. <laughs> that, well, that's fun. that would be a gimmick right there. Right. Next is Vicky Buffon. Vicky. Oh. This is my tea about Vicky. Vicky is a cheap motherfucker. Okay? <laughs> she is a frugal lady. She loves her a deal. And I think you look at Vicky, Vicky looks expensive. She's got this ex- this beautiful hair, these beautiful costumes that are made for her and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, Vicky knows a good deal. Paige <laughs> Turner too. Paige knows a good deal. It's funny because when I fabric shop for Paige, I know I can't, I can't pick something that's not a good deal. It's got to be a good deal too. Yeah. Because that's like part of the enticing thing about it is like, oh, it's amazing fabric and... It was a good deal. It's a good challenge to have. Yeah, it is. Next is Emmy Great. Ah, Emmy. You know, I'm really proud of Emmy because Emmy has come into this place where she is like, she is like the forefront showrunner in Brooklyn right now. Like she makes shows, she makes them happen, she casts amazing people in them, and she she produces these amazing things. And I'm really proud of her. But of course it makes sense. She's a fucking immigrant. Like, she knows how to make space for herself. You know, like, that's what she's had to do her whole life. And, um, yeah. I think she should take the advice of the Slammies and really, you should lip sync, Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we have to make some, like, clear air so whatever you say can be downloaded and put into a mix. Next, <laughs> next is Gina Tonic. Gina Tonic. New York City's favorite social pariah. Right? <laughs> she would say that herself. Gina, 
Gina can be a drunk bitch in drag, right? But she has the biggest heart of gold I've ever met in a person. She does. Gina has done things for me that I would not be comfortable asking my mother to do for me. She's just like, she's a true theater person in that she will do anything to make sure that the show goes on and she will do anything to help her friend out in a bind. And yeah, she'll, I, make, she'll make sure someone doesn't walk home blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. Hi. And I think that I think that there's something in the New York nightlife that other people can learn from that. Because I think young queens lose the sight of sisterhood. And they lose the sight of, like, we've got to be here for each other. And, yeah, like, sometimes, you know, I did this for Emmy. Like, Emmy would ask me to do something. She's like, I can't pay you to do it. I can't guarantee you that we're going to make a lot of tips. And I'm like, you know what, Emmy? I believe in you and I believe in what you do. And you're an amazing artist. Like, I'm fine working for free for you. And I think that that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, to be there for your sister and, like, help her out and stuff like that. So. Last but not least, Gilda Wabbit. Oh, I was hoping you were going to ask me about Gilda Wabbit. I was like, where is Gilda Wabbit in this list? Um, you know, I, I that note about not doing things that other people... That's a note for Gilda. Because I think Gilda runs after success of other people and we've talked we've talked i've talked about this with her before and um she really has she really i think has star quality she really has a star quality which is a rare you can find someone who's a good entertainer a fucking good performer but to have a star quality is rare and like i really just wish gilda would just sit on a stool and sing beautiful but funny songs you know she can do that. She did that duplex show, and I was like, Gilda, why is it taking you so long to do this? And she's like, this is just what I want to do. I was like, just fucking do it. You don't need anyone's permission. Build it, and people will come. It's true. You know? Where is your favorite place in New York City to relax? Uh, the Met Museum. Oh, nice. Yeah. How often do you get to go? I try to go once a month. Oh, nice. Yeah, and not have a schedule. Just wander. Do you have a favorite place there to do it? Yeah, so there's the the Paris. I think they're called the Parisian rooms. They're all the rooms that were like recreated from um, Parisian interiors. How oh, gorgeous! Yeah, have you ever been in them before? Oh, I, I feel like three years ago was the last time I was at the Met. It's been a while. It's very peaceful. Yeah, it's really beautiful, and you just feel transported back to like you know 1780 whatever that this ballroom is, and I love that shit. I love it so much. Nice. What are the five essential Judy Garland movies that every gay boy must watch? Uh, well, you have... I mean, I don't even want to put Wizard of Oz on the list because it's like, if you're a person who it lives, have you not seen that movie? <laughs> um, so I'm not going to put Wizard of Oz on the list. But you have to see Mimi and St. Louis. You have to see Easter Parade. You have to see Summerstock. You have to see A Star is Born. If you, have not, if you are a gay person and you have never watched A Star is Born... You have not lived. Are you excited for the remake? No. <laughs> there we go. No. I mean, it's it's going to be fine. But um, in the fifth one, oh, I have to choose this very carefully. Actually, the fifth one, I would say, if you've never seen, um, which you probably haven't, um, oh, God, now what is it called? It's the last movie she ever made, and she plays a music teacher. And she plays a music teacher for special, like, special needs children, 
Um, and one of the boys she gets very close to, and his mother, his parents abandon him at the orphanage. And it's all about her teaching them to sing, to deal, like, to sort of deal with, like, their perception disorders. And they used actual special needs children. It's quite revolutionary for, like, 1964 or whatever the hell it is. It's quite revolutionary to be, like, be having this progressive conversation about children's education. No, these aren't just, like, quote-unquote, dumb and mute. They're, like, actual people that we need to, like, pay attention to. And it's a really beautiful... It's heartbreakingly beautiful. And she's such an amazing actress in it. Well, maybe maybe we need to find a venue where you can do Judy Garland viewing parties and watch these five movies. Yeah, and all the old homosexuals in me will just... Yeah. Queen out the whole But we time. gotta get the young ones there, too. It's they gotta true. learn. It's true. Besides the music you use for your performances, who are some of the most played artists that you listen to? Oh, there's this there's this um, artist named Aisha. I don't know. She's uh, Nigerian and French and American. And her music uh, just cuts to my core. And it has strong narratives, of course. It's really beautiful. Um, gosh, this is hard. Because a lot of stuff I listen to is like stuff I end up performing. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't listen to, like, any top 40. No, that's all right. I don't. I journey... I do a lot of journeying into the past. And right now, I'm really obsessed with Elaine Stritch. Oh, nice. And I'm really obsessed with, like, all of Elaine Stritch's cabaret stuff, like the Liberty Hall album. And I'm just really obsessed with, like, that era. Like, old stars who are at the end of their career. I really love that. And, like, B. Arthur did a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff like that, too. And... That did not really answer your question. That's fine. That's why I like it. I dig it. So we're going to do the pop five rapid fire. Okay. So we're going to give you five pop culture type things and you'll respond to them. Word, phrase, story, whatever you want it to be. And hopefully this first one will not trigger the machine in there. But Alexa's creepy laughter on the Amazon Echo. Why do people buy those things? I don't understand. I don't know either. I think that's what you get for buying one. <laughs> I just experienced one in real life for the first time the other day, and I was like, this is terrifying. It sounds like a person is standing next to me. Yeah. I mean, there was one podcast I was recording with uh, Dee Dee Comeswell, and we yeah. uh, mentioned Ms. Michelle, and it's turned on, and we're like, where the hell is the music coming from? It was that thing. Wow. It's terrifying. It's creepy. Yeah. But what's crazy? But you is, have one. It's not mine. Oh, so okay. Here, here's the funny T story. Uh, so when I went to the View two years ago for the holiday show, that was one of the things that we were given. Oh my god! And I didn't want it, but my roommate wanted a second one, so she bought it off a me. A second one. So one for her room, one for oh the kitchen. My god. But she bought it off of me for her own kitchen. But it's okay. I don't use it. What anymore. a joke! That's hilarious. Number two is she bought it off you, and you didn't even buy it. I know, right? Wow. That's the good thing about going to these shows. You get things that you don't want to use and you sell it right away. Wow. I sold a $700 gift card. Are you Jewish? I am. (laughs) Are you? I am. (laughs) Welcome to my life. No, technically I'm nothing because my mom is uh, Catholic. My dad's Jewish. So they equal each other out. But I was raised Jewish. Um, But yeah, I went to Rachel Ray once. She gave us a $700 gift card to Microsoft. I sold that on eBay because I only have Apple I remember you telling me that. That's so funny. Number two is Unmasked, a memoir by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, God. Like, really does the man... Really does the man... Who? You know, the most interesting thing about Andrew Lloyd Webber's life is that when he was writing Love Never Dies, his cat deleted the 
the score <laughs> off his computer. Have you heard that? That's funny. Yeah, that's why it, it took him like another three years to write it again. The cat yeah. deleted the whole thing. The cat, the cat was trying to cat. save the world. Yeah, because we could have gotten another cat. God, exactly. Number three is Stormy Daniels. God bless the USA. God bless porn actors. That woman must have nothing to lose. Of course but not. You know, but you know the reason the reason that she's doing what she's doing is because the lawyer broke the NDA. The lawyer spoke about it before she did. And so she can do whatever the fuck she That's wants because he broke the NDA. Good for her. I can't wait to see what else comes out of it. Good for her. But also, like, man, I hope she made a lot of money doing that. Yeah. Jesus. Number four is Mary Poppins Returns. Wait, what? The movie. Oh, is the, they're making it again? No, 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 no. It's a sequel. Starring Emily Blunt and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, no, I do know about that. I didn't know about this. Well, we, we it'd be nice trailer. if Lin-Manuel Miranda could actually sing, but... Oh! But I guess True. Dick Van Dyke can't couldn't sing either, so I'm I'm very worried about it. I love Emily Blunt. I think she's the right choice. I'm scared. Oh, I think Emily Blunt's very much. I'm, the right I'm scared choice. about Lynn. Lynn um, Miranda. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, my hot take is I was not a fan. I'm not a fan of his Hamilton. Neither was I. I don't think I he was either. Under, I saw the replacement. and I was like ten times better. This is the show. You, right? You would here. never. You would never cast him as that role. Nope. I think they cast him as that because he's the only person who could learn all those fucking words. You and know? because it was part of the, I guess, part of the deal or a way to get an audience to come in. But his, I mean, the replacement, Javier, was so good yeah. and deserved a Tony nomination that he never will get. Yeah. Oh, well. I know. Welcome to Burned at Peters. Right? So, number five, and this is a little dated, but I feel like I have to ask you. Number five is Renee Zellweger and Judy Garland. I can't. No. What even? <laughs> Why? Are, you are so mean. I If we wanted to see Lamb Chop perform, <laughs> we, we'd get suddenly Seymour to put her hand up a sock puppet and do it for us. I just, I'm very excited about all the material that suddenly Seymour is going to have. I'm excited that she's going to do another Renee Zellweger roast. That woman cannot act her way out of a paper bag. How did she get the role? I will say, though, this is the hot take, and then Sutton will never talk to me again. I kind of like her in Chicago. Oh, boy. But that's because I have very negative feelings about Roxy Hart as a character. Sure. So I kind of don't mind her in Chicago. But how did she get the role of Judy Garland? I do not know, because she looks nothing like her. She can't sing. Mm-mm. I just don't I don't there, understand. This is the movie for the end happened. of her life, correct? Like yeah. the last years in London. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, if you were going to cast somebody, it would need it would you would cast somebody who is very short and very small and very frail looking. And I just also don't think she has the acting jobs to do that. We shall see. When's like I out? would rather you cast somebody like Drew Barrymore than cast True. You know what I mean? Like at least she comes from the Barrymores, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, It's so sad to me. Well, I got a question from you for my last guest. Oh, God. So this is a question from Clarice Dubois. Oh, okay. What would your death be like in a scary movie? <gasps> in a scary movie? <clears throat> well, I always say that my, my ideal death is to get pushed off a very tall Art Deco skyscraper <laughs> And to land on a Rolls Royce in a bias gown. 
fabulous. Although that, you know that, do you know that photo of the woman who jumped off the Empire State Building? No, I've never seen that. It's from like 1935 and she landed on a car and it's just like most beautiful photo. Like she's so, she's, it looks like she's laying in like water because the car is so shiny. It's oh, so I, I think someone needs to make a um, 1920s inspired horror drag drama. Yeah, where I can I can fall off a building. Oh my god, I can see it now already. Yeah, and a bias gown and like going all around me. Yeah, that's how I want to die. Now is your quest time to ask my next guest a question. Any question in the world. Mm. Um. Hmm. What is your favorite? thing to do to like treat yourself or like self-care i love it you know it's gonna be a good answer i can't wait i hope so if you've made it this far in the podcast use hashtag waiting for garland where can we mm-hmm. find you on social media um i'm uh on instagram at glorious underscore swan song like you sing a swan song uh on facebook as glorious swan song on um twitter as glorious swan song on vimo as glorious swan song and uh, is there one I'm missing? I don't think so. That's probably it. Yeah. I don't do Snapchat. I'm too old for that. <laughs> well, Waiting for Garland, The Green Room, 42, Friday, March 16th at 9.30 p.m. Exactly. Either. An event bright leak on my my uh, webpage. So. Fabulous. Well, yeah. thanks for doing this. Thank you. It's so delightful talking to you. Thanks once again to Gloria for joining me. Make sure to tap that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm -hmm.